Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at MindBuddyGreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, this is Colleen Wachab, and I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of MindBodyGreen. I'll be your host for today's podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome Kimberly Snyder to the MindBodyGreen podcast. She's a celebrity nutritionist, a New York Times bestselling author, and the author of the new book, Recipes for Your Perfectly Imperfect Life. Kimberly's wellness journey started with food, but after years of struggling with disordered eating, IBS, acne, and the pressure to be perfect, she realized feeling good meant a healthier mind, body, and soul. After her mother passed away last year, within days of her son turning one, she felt a clarity unlike ever before, and for the first time felt her true value. We talk about how her wellness philosophy has evolved, the advice she would give to those struggling with body image, and how mindfulness could help with bloating. Kimberly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. So you were one of the OGs in the wellness space. I think your first book came out in 2011. 2011, which seems like so much has happened since then. Especially in wellness. <laughs> Especially in wellness. Um, it's grown so much. It's become trendy and huge and amazing. And I think that's that's great. How has your philosophy evolved since then? So it's it's gone deeper. I think wellness has gotten more popular, obviously, but I still see a lot of it becoming even more surface and more about how things look. So I find more of a need to go deeper and to connect people back to their bodies, to look at it in a more holistic standpoint, especially where I live in L.A. There's just a lot of... um, focus on the external, I think, and eating according to an app or a chart or just how things look. And I find that there's a lot of anxiety and more um, just sort of validation from the outside. A lot's happened with social media, as we know. So my philosophy has has gone deeper. And in this new book, I talk about the emotional and mental and spiritual part and have, how big of an effect that has on our wellness, which isn't something I was talking about as much from my first few books. Sure. So it's really gone in that direction. And and yeah, it's something that's been a huge part of my own wellness journey. Yeah, I, I'm so torn on that evolution within wellness too, because on the one hand, it's great. There's so many more people in the metaphorical wellness sure. church. It's gotten bigger, but I do worry about some of the ways in which wellness is expressed today. Exactly. Where you live, where I live. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And for me, I think the journey starts with food for a lot of us. That's how it started with me. I had eating disorders. I had a lot of um, IBS and constipation and bloating and acne and all sorts of conditions. So it started with working with food. But then for me, it's gone to these other levels and become more of a lifestyle. So it has evolved. And I don't think when I started, I saw it as such an integrated lifestyle. And is there anything that hasn't changed since your first book came out in 2011, that in your philosophy that still holds true today? Well, the dietary part is still very much, it very much holds up. My, you know, the whole philosophy is based on digestion and working with energy and being more efficient in how we eat foods. 
since the first book, I did take a f- four years to study Ayurveda. So you'll mm. see from my last book to this, there's more of an Ayurvedic influence as well. But the actual principles, the glowing green smoothie is something that my clients still drink, that I still talk about, I still drink. So there are components that do hold up for sure. So what is this idea that you discuss in your book about a perfectly imperfect life? What does that mean to you? So this book was, um, it's very different from my other books. First of all, I wrote it um, last year. I actually rewrote it. It was meant to be a children's nutrition book. Ah, well, there is a nutrition children's part at the end. There is a nutrition (laughs) children's part, but we actually shot the cover when I was pregnant. Um, And then in the wake, my mother actually passed away very suddenly. And within three days of my son turning one. Mm-mm. And it felt like calling, like a, almost like a sword went to my heart. Mm-mm. You know when you do yoga and they say, go upside down, do some inversions and get a different perspective of the world. Yeah. And I felt like when this happened, because by the way, my grandmother is still alive. So I always assumed, oh, my mom's going to help me with my baby. She's going to be around for a couple more decades. When this happened, it literally made me look at everything so differently. And I could, that's how I started to look at wellness differently. I, I, like we said, it's great that it's popular, but I see a lot of, um, I keep using the word surface, but, Mm -hmm. you know, just sort of putting up an image the way that we filter things and put things on Instagram. So for me, it was, wow, like I'm a recovering perfectionist and I was trying to, you know, control my image so much and put out perfect food all the time and always look so perfect. And when this happened, it was like, no, 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 we are all perfectly imperfect. And so it came from this healing journey. So I talk about in the book, the first section talks about this word and, which means when we switch from or to and, I feel like our health, our body, our beauty mm-hmm. totally opens up. And what I mean by that is we tend to live in a society with or. I'm pretty or I'm ugly. I'm Very fat. binary. Oh, exactly. I'm duality. I'm, I'm ugly or I'm fat or I'm skinny. I'm a success or I'm a failure. And when we start to embrace and, it's like our body, like our shoulders drop. This wholeness, we talk about whole foods, but embracing our whole selves. I am a good mom, and sometimes I lose my temper. <laughs> I care about wellness, and I drink glowing green smoothies, and sometimes I go out with my friends and get, you know, drink a bunch of margaritas. Right. So to me, we are perfect and we're imperfect at the same time. And what I mean by that is we all know the imperfections. You know, a lot of us want to improve our skin or have more energy or get a better job or have the, you know, better boyfriend or lose more weight. We know very well those imperfections. But there's a part of us that is so deep down, the, the perfect part of us just from the fact that we exist and we're alive and we're this unique soul, this point of light, whatever you want to say within a greater light. When we connect to that inner part, then we don't take the imperfections as seriously, I find. I find that we show up with more confidence. We're able to go out and go for our dreams. And the ironic part, Colleen, is I feel like, and I've seen this time and time again, when we connect with that perfect part, everything tends to work better. When we feel really good, when we feel connected, we tend to look good too. It means we, um, our adrenals are more relaxed. Our nervous system is more relaxed. It's actually easier to lose weight. Our, we look like, you know, years have been taken off our face. So there's amazing research in this new book, specifically around bloating and inflammation, showing the connection with the mind and stories and guilt and shame and the circular thought patterns that we tell ourselves. So for me, this title came from 
you know, not trying to get more perfect from the outside stuff because we're always going to beat ourselves up. I beat myself up for years. That's why I had eating disorders. I think that's the reason I became a nutritionist. We're trying mm-hmm. to heal ourselves. Right. So I was always that person. If I got an A minus, I was like the biggest deal in the world. So it's never enough. So after my mom passed, I went to Tulum. Have you been there? I love Tulum. Amazing <laughs> spiritual place. And Bubby was napping. My son was napping. So I sat next to this cenote. It was after my mom passed. And I just literally had this four-hour meditation. And it was the first time, Colleen, I really, the first time, even though I talked about self-love and self-esteem and all this stuff, all the, you know, the yeah. wellnessy terms, yeah. it was the first time I felt my true value. Mm. Like, it's, I, can, I can sell a million, billion books. I can run around. I can do all this stuff. It's never going to be enough. Never enough. But right here, I'm enough. Right here, we are all enough. And so then that's when I wrote the book from that place of that connection. So it's really coming from that space of relaxing and and really just being honest and real. Like we're all perfectly imperfect. Our lives are chaotic, they're messy, but we can find more peace now. Not when we lose 10 pounds. We don't have to wait until we get the perfect, you know, husband or wife or whatever it is. It's actually right here. And how do you balance this approach with Instagram and social media? You're obviously building a brand, um, but I'd say Instagram is probably the mecca of you know false perfectionism and putting That's a lot it. of um, a lot of really high standards that people can't live up to. Um, you know, no one really feels better after a long scroll. How do you balance all that in your personal <laughs> life? There's actually a scientific term they've coined now called compare and despair, <laughs> specifically around Instagram, because people are, there's actually detrimental psychological effects from their finding from people going on there and feeling bad about themselves. My life is not as exciting. I'm not as pretty. I'm not as skinny. So I'm not in the Maldives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm not making the most perfect, beautiful food in the world. Yeah. So I find, you know, in this um, imperfectly imperfect book, I talk about a lot of the techniques that have helped me. There's something called the stumbling block detox technique, which is about breaking stories. So the same things can happen, but reframing um, your perspective of things, staying really connected, having a really solid morning practice where you meditate and you get into your body and you feel yourself more before you go on on your Instagram feed. I find when you're rooted and you have practices and foods, and this book has all these amazing healing recipes too that connect you to yourself. Like I said, the outside stuff, you're still going to be in the jungle of Instagram and walking down the street and in your email and all that stuff. But I find that you don't take it as seriously. Right. Your self-esteem doesn't tank as easily when you see someone that has a, quote, better body or a better job or whatever. You're just more rooted. Oh, that's that's my experience that I've found within myself because you're not putting everything on the outside. There's so much more to each of us, and yeah. we connect with that, and you stay more connected to that. And listen, I go in and out of it too, but the practices, the meditations, the, the journal writing, the time alone, the quieting, the noise, I find when I'm more rooted, if I've meditated before I go on Instagram, <laughs> if I have had my hot water, my glowing green smoothie, if I have fiber in my body even, if I'm more here, then I find I'm not as affected. Right. So, But it's not easy. Certainly not easy. In your book, you talk about the birth of Bub, which didn't quite go according to plan. No. How has that affected <laughs> and evolved you as a person? Maybe you can share a little bit about your, your birth story. My perfectly imperfect birth story. <laughs> so I will say that I was very fortunate and grateful and that I had a, a pretty good pregnancy. I had a little bit of... Um, 
morning sickness, but it went away, but I felt great. I had a lot of energy. You know, I know I'm very grateful. I have a lot of mom friends that, you know, had difficult pregnancies. So I was like, oh, you know, everything's great. I'm going to have a, a, a midwife and a doula and a birth tub. And we had this big old tub and I had candles and a birth altar and it was all going to be perfect. So fast forward to the actual birth where I w- I am one of those women where my water broke before contractions okay. happened, which is I think is about 20 to 30 percent of people, of, of women. So my contractions, star- or, sorry, my water broke. And then when that happens, you only have 24 hours to have active labor before it's considered not safe, risk of infection. Sure. So anyways, I was, my contractions were happening, but they weren't happening close enough. So me being the perfectionist was like, okay, I ran to the acupuncture. I was, I was Ubering all around town. I drank. I'm glad you weren't drink, driving. Oh my God. I drank half a bottle of castor oil, oh. which if anyone has done that, that is the I do not recommend it. And, and, and that was to induce contractions. That's it. That's it. And okay. they were happening, but they weren't the two Because really is kind of the, you know, panacea for everything these days. Oh, drinking half a bottle is going to give you explosive diarrhea for oh my a God. long, long time. I mean, it, anyways, uh, we won't go into detail, but it <laughs> continued. So I was doing all these things. I was even uh, using my breast pump for the first time to try to get it. I was like, I have to have this home birth. I have to have this home birth. So, by the way, let me preface this by saying Bubby was over two weeks late. I am half Asian. I have a very narrow pelvis, um, and he was weighing over nine pounds. Oh, my God. He was measuring over nine pounds. So my, even my midwife was like, I don't think this is a good idea. Shoulder dystocia is a very real issue. The backup doctor was like, I don't think you should attempt this. So this is me, again, being hard-headed and like, I'm a perfectionist. Everybody is going to expect me to have a natural birth. It was all these expectations I put on the myself. The wellness world does that, though. It's, it's like, how is this going to look for other people? Right. That's what I was like really, I mean, to be honest – thinking about right. at that time. It was, again, the the external validation. I wanted to be like, look at me with my perfect birth. And, you know, the universe was like, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> so the 24 hours passed. I had to go to the hospital. And then I sat there with my midwife. She's like, well, you can still have a natural birth in the hospital, whatever that means. Um, and I just kept, I dilated all the way to 10 centimeters. And then I started pushing. This went on, Colleen, for four hours. Oh my goodness. So I do yoga. I do work with the bandhas. They were like, oh, you're not pushing hard enough. And I was like, no, I know my body. So then they were like, my, the midwife was like, well, let's give you some, um, uh, oh my gosh, I forgot, the uh, Pitocin. With no epidural. Then you'll uh-huh. really feel it. So I got these super strong contractions. Baby's still not coming. More time passes. Finally, the doctor comes in and he's like, this is a square peg in a round hole. You have been in labor for 50 hours now. This baby is going to be in distress. He is not going to fit. He's like, you could push for 12 more hours. The baby, his head, his weight, he's just not going to fit. Yeah. So then I was like, it just hit me, kind of like this epiphany with a book where it was like, who gives an F how the baby comes out? I want him to be safe. Yeah. Like all the ego just went away in a second. Right. So I end up having a C-section, which is the incomplete opposite of my home birth with the candles and the tub and the water. And you know what, Colleen? It changed me so much. I am so grateful for Western medicine. Yes. I am so grateful. You know, the doctor, Dr. Chin said to me 150 years, 200 years ago, he's like, you probably both would have died. died. Hemorrhaged, shoulder dystocia, or they would have cut the baby out. I would have died. So I am so grateful. I think there's a time and a place to obviously surrender our ego and take advantage of all these amazing advances that have been made. So even though I do 
practice, you know, food as medicine and living yeah. a natural lifestyle and non-toxic products and all these things, it opened up all this judgment that I had and for myself and all this, you know, everything. And it really opened my mind. And yeah, it, it was amazing and, and perfect. It was perfectly imperfect how it was yeah. meant to be. Yeah. Well, every birth is a natural birth. <laughs> every birth is amazing. It yeah. doesn't matter how it turns out to be. Right. Yeah. We put so much pressure on ourselves. Totally. And I, I think the the wellness world definitely perpetuates that, that there's a certain type of birth that's better than others. And, you know, I, I had a hospital birth. My pregnancy was super high risk. And I always oh. make a point of sharing that because I, I don't think there's any shame in it. I Absolutely not. I had such a great experience with Western medicine. And I don't want women to feel that that's, you know, kind of a second class birth. Yeah. That's it. But it goes back to that duality. We were saying fat, skinny. Right. You know, good, good bad. bad. <laughs> natural or not. And then right not true it's it's all playing out how it's meant to be and we're all doing our best and you know we all have different circumstances so right. seeing it in color and texture i think is really important not just the labels and how did the surprising passing away of your mother affect you as a human being and as a person and a mother and all the work that you're doing so it really took my work in a completely different direction i like I said, it, it just flipped everything upside down. I literally said to myself, what is, what is life? Like, what am, right. I, what am I doing with my life? What is my work? What, what am I really talking about here? So that's when I started going deep into this idea about feeling good, which isn't, oh, I'm happy and elated all the time to me. Right. First of all, feeling. Most of us are overthinking all the time and we're analyzing. And I was very much in that category. Oh, I'm an academic. I'm the smart one. I'm going to read all the mm -hmm. studies. I'm going to read all the, I'm going to know more, blah, 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 blah. You know, and overanalyzing and worrying and being an insomniac and being one of those people that um, you know, doesn't feel good being on Instagram. Right. To actually feeling and right. dropping in. And to me, feeling good means we're more connected to ourselves. Through the ups and downs, um, there is this inner wisdom, this, this inner guidance. And it feels good to stay connected to that, to know who we really are. So my work before used to be a lot more um, rigid, I think, about, you know, this or that. It's good to be more plant-based. It's good to do, you know, here and there. Yeah. And now I just think everybody has their own inner wisdom. And to me, my work is more about connection and um, helping women and, and people find more peace in their perfectly yeah. imperfect lives, really talking about the emotional, mental, and spiritual part of wellness and how it's really integrated and how that has such an effect on our bodies and everything. I mean, when this happened, I mean, it was, it was the hardest moment, hardest part of my life. I lived like a, like a monk for at least six months. I hardly left my house. I was, you know, I was doing my best to take care of Bob's. My parents were married for over 40 years. My dad was a wreck. My dad moved in with us. I mean, everything was just insane. And I came out of that period, you know, rebirth, rebirthing my brand, Saluna, which is the sun and the moon. Mm. And that means the moon, there's this, the shadow side, the darkness, yeah. that's where the strength comes from. That's where the new beginnings come from. It's not just sunny and bright all the time. <laughs> so my whole perspective, this holism, Colleen, this not being scared to look at the darkness and sit in it and think about the parts of us that we are scared of or we don't like to admit, all these things I'm talking about. Five years ago, I would never have talked about all this stuff. Right. So I just became a lot more real and, and myself. Right. Such deep healing. Well, and I think that's one of the good things in the wellness movement of how it's evolved. Um, 
over the past 10 years is that there is this bigger conversation around mental health and it's not just all bright and shiny, even though that might be what's going on in Instagram, but people are having a lot more open dialogue around mental health and spirituality and yes. all these other things. You can eat the best ways possible, but if you're not sleeping at night, if you're stressed, if you're not connected to your inner wisdom, your North Star, you're not going to be in, in well-being either. And also, I do find that it can look the same on the outside, but be so different on the inside. So people can, and I've seen this time and time again, and also coming from myself, who's been through every diet and eaten tiny portion sizes. And believe it or not, Colleen, back in the day, I even did Atkins. Oh, wow. Which is amazing because I am plant-based, <laughs> right? But I've tried everything, cutting calories, no sugar, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And I was you know, around the same weight, but yeah. so much of my mind was upset. My thinking was obsessed with what I eat. What am I going to eat later? Did I eat too much? It was right. so arduous. And I just find when you, when I, my philosophy now is just really about relaxing, this very um, eating more fiber, eating natural foods, but the combinations, focusing on digestion, focusing on this, again, the spiritual, mental, and emotional side, you can get great results. You can actually feel and look better and have more energy, and it doesn't have to be so hard. Right. So I just think there are other ways <laughs> to go about it, and you can, again, just feel really great, feel connected, and life doesn't have to be this art, you know, wellness your weight, all these things. It doesn't have to be so arduous and challenging all the time. Right. So body image is something you're open about in your book that you've yes. struggled with um, throughout the years. What advice do you give to women who are struggling, or men, who are struggling with body image issues? So one of the first things I say is, first of all, getting breaking these patterns, getting out of the mind. So many different levels. There's so many tools and strategies that have yep. helped me. Um, I think that certain foods are really important as well. So many people say to me, Colleen, I don't know when I'm hungry. I don't know what my body needs. Right. I, we're so disconnected. So very simple foods, including ginger, for example. Ginger is very warming. We f we feel our bodies when we feel ginger. We actually expand. It expands your uh, metabolism and your circulation. So I find when people are so rigid and in their head, just drinking ginger tea, drinking foods that, having foods that reconnect you to your body yeah. can be a very, you know, one of many steps that helps to break these patterns and just re-fosters that connection. I also think it's really important. Um, we've been doing these challenges on Instagram about, you know, your perfectly imperfect body and focusing on the parts that we actually really do like. I think it's so easy to focus on lack. Mm -hmm. I'm not tall enough. My nose isn't good enough, this and that. But just starting to change these patterns, focusing on the parts we do, because that's like breathing into the embers of positivity and expansion and just it's a whole different mind frame, you know, shift. I don't think it's easy to get past past body shape. I was um, bulimorexic through high school, so it took me a long time to actually become comfortable with my body. And I, I ended up swinging the other way. I ended up gaining a lot of weight, having a lot of, you know, huge party period through college, <laughs> drinking a lot of beer and late night pizza. So I actually went from someone that was a bit too thin to, you know, the heavier side. Yeah. So then I, I came back to the middle through my own journey. I think everybody has their own journey. But I think it's, again, I think a morning practice is really helpful. I think it's easy to step out into the world. And if we're in the whirlwind, then we can easily get swept away. But starting with hot water with lemon and ginger, some sort of breathing practice, some sort of meditation practice, smoothie, fiber that gets you into your body. 
and then all these other tools and techniques. Um, another book that I love is called The Letting Go book by hmm. Dr. David Hawkins, who's this amazing, was an amazing psychologist, and he talks about letting go of these old um, patterns and negativity within us that just help you know, change some of the mental patterning. So I actually talk about it in my book as well. It's been really helpful to me, certain things that happened in my childhood that unless we sort of process and again, go into that shadow work, right. can show up in many different ways, including attacking our bodies. And how has Ayurveda evolved how you think about food and helped you and your patients get that connection to their bodies? So Ayurveda for me is a natural evolution of how I, you know, from the beginning, from the beauty detox solution, I said, hey, we got to stop this reductionist approach. We got to stop just looking at food in terms of calories, right? right? 500 calories of an avocado digest very differently from 500 <laughs> calories of fried potato chips. Um, so there's this energetic quality, like I'm talking about with ginger, this warming effect, the way it can change the way we feel, the way it can affect our health in, in ways that aren't necessarily, not necessarily quantifiable but there's this qualitative approach. So Ayurveda is so much about seasonality and, again, the bioenergetics and self-care yeah. and integrating the mind. And, you know, my teacher, Dr. J, talks so much about um, touching the body and abhyanga and what that does for your nervous system. So, because, um, you know, you're, you're, you're coming into the here and now. You're yeah. really you know, soothing the nervous system, which has an effect on your immune system and your endocrine system. So to me, it just reinforced this. And I don't like to say the term Colleen mind-body connection necessarily because connection says to me two separate things that are fused at certain points. Right. I, I, it's like it's a one. loop. Yeah. yeah, it just doesn't end. Where does where does the wave start? Where does it end? So Ayurveda gave me more tools, more information about spices and foods from that energy perspective, how it's affecting our, our dosha. Um, and also the fact- What's your dosha? So I'm very vata. <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have some some pitta, but yeah, of course, like very, very vata. I can be up there. And I'm also an Aquarius. Ah, so I'm very air sign up. Yeah. I want to help everybody, community. So I need the grounding. I, yeah. I do beach walks in LA, Colleen. I, I do them every day now. I do them barefoot. I mean, I need it for my body type. Yeah. So it also has widened my mind to, you know, there isn't this perfect diet for everyone. Right. There, everybody has a different genetic constitution and, and background and you know body type, so on and so forth. So Ayurveda has been a beautiful layer. I don't say I subscribe to everything. Yeah. I am plant-based. I'm, I'm, I don't personally eat ghee. I do other things with coconut oil and, and fats. And, and why things, don't you eat ghee? Because I'm fully plant-based. Ah. And, um, well, first of all, to me, it smells so cow-like. I just can't stomach yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's exactly the same, but I think some of the, the properties, you know, the fat-soluble combinations and things can be replaced. Uh, Dr. J, my teacher, makes me a, um, he makes me some of the jams with the coconut oil instead. So, so yeah, it can be individualized, but yeah. a, a lot, I definitely respect it, and a lot of it I've taken into my philosophy and worked with it. And some amount of movement, I think we'd all agree, is part of being healthy. How do you incorporate movement and what's your philosophy around it? So I definitely think we are meant to move. We, our electrons are spinning. We are dynamic creatures. Again, this has evolved so much for me. Back in the day, I was a gym person yeah. that would stare at the number of how many calories I was burning. It was, yeah. it didn't feel good, but it was literally about the surface. So it evolved into finding yoga for me and moving in a different way. But honestly, my practice is all meditation now. Since my wow. mom passed, I felt I had to ground. And what so, kind of meditation? 
So I do Kriya Yoga, which oh, cool. is my guru is Paramahansa Yogananda. Cool. So I practice his amazing techniques. When I started reading Autobiography of a Yogi, it changed my life. Nice. So also when my mom passed, I stopped doing asanas and I felt like I had to ground. So that's yeah. when I started doing beach walks, which is my primary form of movement, which feels really good. As we know, walking is one of the healthiest exercises. You're getting oxygen to your brain. So the biggest, and I hike on the weekends. So the biggest thing for me is, oh, I don't have to sit here and do stuff I really don't like right so many people are miserable the way they're moving and so yeah. I would say it doesn't have to be this rigidity if you're eating well and you're taking care of yourself and you're taking care of your emotional well-being you're journaling you are, you have practices you're meditating whatever you're doing all I would also say find ways to move that feel good to you right because it doesn't have to be something that sounds horrible. You hate going to the gym, then don't do something else. People live for thousands of years without gyms and we're That's still it. healthy. <laughs> That's it, we're moving. And depending where you live, just getting outside and being more active. And you know, I just, I think there's this uh, much more easeful approach. Yeah, there's a lot of um, orthorexia as it applies to That's movement right. within the wellness world where for people sure. wanna get in, you know, so many hours of a workout and, there may be some bodies that need that, but I, I think the vast majority don't need to be, you know, doing as much high intensity work as we see on the interwebs. That's right. And if you're constantly like overstressing your body, that is a form of oxidative stress right. and it is does create some inflammation in the body. So I take a much more easeful approach. Some of my clients are like, I feel really good when my when I work myself out really hard. For yeah. my body type that doesn't work. So again, yeah. it just goes with the individualization. And what is this concept of a life detox that you talk about? So it goes back to everything is connected. It isn't just, so I have done a lot of, uh, talked about, a lot about physical cleansing and cleansing toxins from the body. I have products that facilitate that. But again, if we are eating really well, but we have very destructive relationships in our life, or we live in a, we have a very toxic work environment or house is super cluttered and isn't supportive of the energy we're trying to create, then, I mean, detox is de toxins are toxins, right? So it is going to affect your energy. It is going to affect your organs, your liver, your well-being. So we have to look at detoxing in a, in our whole life, the way we feel around certain people. And this is the hard thing, Colleen. I've gone through friendship detoxes. Sure, and I think that's a hard thing to go through after age eighteen. I mean. <laughs> It's really hard, especially if you're like, I've been friends with this person since I'm six or since college. Totally. It doesn't mean we don't love them. This is what I say. It right. doesn't mean we are not still connected to them. But I have had a few friends in particular. I would feel drained when I would leave them. I wouldn't feel good. It would just be really negative. This person's really complaining or only talks mm -hmm. about themselves. And so I just find ways to spend less time with them or with them it's more in a group setting. So I just think we need to be so tuned in to what feels good good who is making us feel good how do we spend more time with those people how do we because we all have such limited time free time we're all so busy so to me life detox is really focusing on what's elevating us and breathing into that and you know putting energy into that and then not feeling guilty if we it's not we cut them out and we say oh to hell with this person but it's just being a bit more mindful more heartful about who we're around in our environment Right, because it can be very draining, and oh that just gosh. affects your everything. Entire... It affects your energy. It affects your digestion. It affects everything in your life. So you have a couple of principles in your book: whole foods, plant-based, gluten-free, and food combining. Oh, in the food part, yes. Yes, and within the food part, 
food combining is something I know the least amount. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. And and that's been part of your philosophy since since the first book. Since yes. the first book. So talk to me about it. Sure. So in a very simplistic sense, food combining is about not just what we're eating, but the order and the combination to lighten the digestive load. Okay. Digestion is, I didn't learn this until I went through all my, my bloating and all my issues. Um, and this was taught to me by a nutritionist when I was living in Sydney that sort of blew open my mind. And when I, when I experienced it in my body, it became something that I really wanted to share. Um, so it's, this first of all the concept that digestion takes a lot of energy because a lot of us think oh it's almost like a, a like a trash compactor like i right. put it in there i know how many calories how many grams of protein i'm eating liver takes care of it and then Bye-bye. i don't think about it again <laughs> yeah. but actually if we do want to feel and look our best we want to be very strategic with our energy because if it's being sucked up all in digestion, then we have less energy to rebuild our blood and the collagen in our skin and all these other myriad functions that we want our energy to go towards. So first of all, again, simplify. Simplify your meals. If you're going to a salad bar, instead of getting 20 different things, maybe you only get three things or four things, but you eat more of them. Every food that we're digesting requires different enzymes and substrates, and your body is breaking it down. So the biggest principle is, you know, and there's the, to the extreme, there's mono eaters, which only eat one food at a time, Whoa. which says, you know, if you're eating just a bowl of cherries, it's easier for your body to digest. Um, if you're eating, you know, a, a plate of this or a plate of that. I'm not of that mindset, but I just say overall, think about simplifying your meals. And then it goes into more nuances, but that's the biggest principle. In it. And that's something I had never thought about. I thought, oh, well, if I get all these different things at the salad bar, then I'm getting all these different nutrients. So it was probably like a, like a little volcano in my stomach right. trying to digest 50 things. Well, I think the upside of that, because what I really liked about the recipes in your book, and I think I told you I made the roasted broccoli with the tzatziki oh, sauce yes, and yes. the gluten-free pasta with the avocado pesto. And I'd never made an avocado pesto before, so I thought that was really cool, which is how easy they are. So easy. So, so the way you cook becomes a lot simpler. Yes. And I think it becomes really flavorful, right? Because the ingredients are coming through. They're not muddled because it is so simple and easy to eat this way. Um, another simple principle, because I used to be of the mindset when I was in my calorie counting days, let me chug as much water as I can while I'm eating because I'll be more full. And it's amazing how many women say this to me still. Mm. And then I learned, oh, well, when we're eat, when we're drinking a lot while we're eating, it can actually dilute the digestive enzymes. Sort of like a, a pond, like a muddy pond that has, not a muddy pond, but a pond with a lot of like scum and algae, algae growing on top. So now I find if I hydrate in between meals and when I'm eating, and again, just simplifying things for my body so that my body can really work to digest that food versus having tons and tons of liquids on top, that can also help to enhance digestion. So do you drink any liquids when you eat? So I, again, I hydrate primarily at least you know, 20, 30 minutes before and after meals, but I'm an advocate, and this is in TCM and Ayurveda as well, having a hot tea or even just hot water with lemon while I'm eating or you know, maybe a, sipping like a cup of water, but not chugging water, not right. chugging liquids. And what about throughout the day? We've had um, a lot of people talking about hydration on the My Body Green podcast. Yes, like, are, are you very aware of your water intake for a day? Is there a certain amount you're trying to hit? Or is it kind of going with how you feel and how your day is and what the totally. weather is? Totally. Just like anything, I don't think there's this one perfect formula. Although they'll say, you know, take your, your body weight and cut it in half. And that's yeah. the approximate amount of ounces. But we live in different climates, right? right. So in, in LA, it is so dry where I live compared to other places in yeah. the world. 
I also think, you know, I have a lot of glowing green smoothies. I have a lot of sal- I have a lot of raw veggies too. So you're getting a lot of hydration from that versus someone that's eating a ve- more dense diet. Um, so I don't measure the amount, but I certainly do have water always on my desk, in my car, around. And I just find if it's around, I'm constantly hydrating. I also self-monitor by my urine mm-hmm. and always making sure it's clean. And it is a reminder if you yeah. look at your pee and you're like, oh my gosh, it's actually Orange. yellow. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Red um, alert. <laughs> and of course, we don't want to get to that stage. But I think building in, again, for you know, my morning practice where you're having hot water with lemon, you're having a glowing green smoothie. You're gonna be, you're gonna be starting the day from a more hydrating place, hydrated place anyway. And eating the, you know, the, the way this new book is. There's a lot of fresh veggies. There's a lot of salads. There's a lot of soup. I'm a huge soup person as well with all the liquids. Yeah. Um, so I find I'm also hydrated from the diet. And how do you think about supplements? So I think that a few key ones are important. Okay. I'm a big advocate for SBO probiotics, digestive enzymes, and I have something called Detoxy, which is a cleanse aid that, to me, it's not just what you're putting in, but focusing on constantly helping your body expel. That was the game changer for me because I was not, you know, put, to put it frankly, I was not pooping enough. Right. And I think most people do not release enough waste. Is there, I know we don't like rules, <laughs> but is there any sort of guidelines where someone can know if they're pooping enough? Well, you know, I did an infographic on this. I mean, some people poop 10 times a day. Some people poop every other day. I think in, a, in an ideal world, we would go every day. Okay. So at least, you know, ideally every morning to sort of, you know, start the day off in a lighter, from a lighter standpoint. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not an advocate for, for laxatives or even long-term taking something like Senna, which I think can weaken your adrenals and it's a little bit abrasive. So I have this, you know, oxygen supplement that's just helping to relax and release. Yeah. Um, so I take these, these supplements and I recommend them that are helping your body's natural intelligence. So we were meant to have this, you know, amazing mix of, I'm sure you guys talk about gut health all the time, microflora in our system. But of course we live in the modern world. There's all the time. Toxins, but we're just helping to rebuild our body's system. Same thing with digestive enzymes. It's helping our body break down the food. Right. So I'm not an advocate for taking a million, you know, this and that. And people tell me all the time, oh, I want to regrow my hair. So I'm taking B12. I'm taking biotin. Or not B12, sorry, biotin. B12 is important for vegans. Yes. Um, but this and that, I'm like, oh, well, you know what? The B, the B complex family is meant to work together synergistically. So maybe you want to have some more nutritional yeast if you're trying to rebuild your hair. Right. Right. So I try to get it more from foods. Of course, if you're worried, if you don't live, you don't eat, you know, you can't eat healthy all the time, a whole food-based multivitamin can be a great idea. It can be a great idea to take an algae-based um, uh, DHA supplement, EPA, if you find you're not eating enough omega fats. Um, so I think there's, and vitamin D, of course, if you live in a cold place and you're not getting any sun. So I think there's some individualization, but I've literally opened some of my clients' cabinets and there are 70 supplements in there and everything you're taking, your body has to break down. There can be detrimental effects from taking too many supplements. I really do believe more is not necessarily more. So it's just being strategic. You know, and one of my clients was taking like, I mean, just on and on and on. And I was like, well, you know, can you incorporate some of this in your diet? Can we do yeah. this? Can we do that? So you're literally not swallowing 50 pills at once. 
And you talked about a nutritional yeast. A lot of your recipes um, incorporate nutritional yeast. What do you see as the benefits? So nutritional yeast, first of all, is easy to find. It's easy to use. It adds a cheesy flavor from someone that loved dairy and likes that consistency. Yeah. I think it's really fantastic. Um, it's so efficient. It's, you know, branched-chain amino acids, very easy to digest. Tons of protein and B vitamins are my top two things. Okay. So I've used it in a lot of recipes with kale and avocado when you're trying to, you know, specific recipes for building hair health. Oh. Or even um, when I was doing yoga and I saw the, all the people in the studio. That's why Dharma's kale salad. It's called Dharma because my huh. first teacher, um, just re making your body really strong. Right. So even my, my, my superhero clients, they play superheroes in films and they're in tight suits and they have all these action, you know, the crazy training and we need to really build their muscle tone. Kale plus nutritional yeast plus hemp seeds is one of the most efficient ways, one of the most efficient meals for getting protein right into your body yeah. and B vitamins in a way that's really easy to digest. Very cool. Um, and when it comes to your daily routine, can you walk us through like how you like to eat in a day? Whew, so <laughs> it is pretty, um, it can be all over the place depending what's going on with Bubby and my schedule, <laughs> but I always do anchor my morning. And what time are you waking up? So I wake up, uh, I mean, not super early anymore, but between 6 and 6.30. Okay. It was all, it's been all over, you know. Totally understand. With Bobby. <laughs> um, thankfully, he doesn't get up till close to 9. What time does he go to bed? Um, 8. That will be your next book. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I get up and I stay on point. I drink room temperature water, hot water with lemon. These days I have ginger in the winter. I add that warming effect. I take my SBO probiotics. I have my glowing green smoothie and I meditate. Then I do my beach walk, and I first thing I do is I ground my energy. I take my my shoes are off the whole time, but I stand there and I imagine, you know, energetically going down, connecting with the earth, and I find just that very simple practice just helps me feel more anchored. Right. So I do that. That's you know. Then I do. I have at least an hour to myself. I like to clear my mind before I get into work, and then I often do the second hour conference calls and work and business. I come back. I get Bubby up. Someone is home with him. My auntie lives with us. I'm not leaving Bobby by himself, by the way. Um, so I come home, and then I have my glowing green smoothie. That's when I have it when I come home. And then I'm usually hungry before lunch. So mid-morning, I have a, my gluten-free avocado and sprout wrap. Um, and then for lunch, um, when Bubby's napping, I usually eat something like soup salad, you know, you know, leftovers from the night before, something pretty basic yeah and then dinner varies Dinner's usually a one-pot meal or something that i throw in the oven all these recipes you see calling they're really easy it's one yeah. of the biggest differences beauty detox power two books ago before bubby was you know even coming through the my body it was like i looked at some of these recipes i'm like they're great they're delicious I don't have time for like 15 steps it's so funny how your <laughs> recipes and food techniques change as soon as you're making food not just for yourself but That's also it. for a, a two-year-old and a family because yeah. you know you can't or at least I don't have the time to make two different meals so what I make for myself Ellie has to be able to eat and enjoy too and so exactly. that's why I'm so drawn to not just the kids recipes but also you know so many of the the simpleness um, and wholeness of, of the recipes in your book 
And I think too, um, it's not it's cooking in a difficult, more difficult way, but it's also the cleanup. When I totally. say one pot meal, I mean I only totally. have to clean one pot now. Yeah. So that's very appealing to me. Plus, you know, you're getting all the nutrients, the wholeness. There's something about putting the love into that one pot. Uh, there's so many Ayurvedic, you know, stews and things that are made in a one pot way. So I love that approach. So you've brought up a couple times in this conversation this idea of bloating, something you struggled with, something yes. that clients have. Um, it's definitely something that our audience um, is interested in. What would you give? What advice would you give to someone who's struggling with bloating right now? So there's again the, the pathway in can often be what you can see and what you can hold. So food and the physic. We'll start with the physical parts. Sure. Um, so first of all, eliminating eliminating difficult to digest foods, which depend on the person. But for a lot of us, it could be it could include gluten and dairy. Um, so first of all, just you know, doing experiments with your own body, trying to give up difficult to digest foods such as these and seeing if it makes a difference. Resetting your uh, gut microbiome. I, I've talked about SBO probiotics a lot. I think getting on a good probiotic is also really important. And then, and we did a whole amazing course together on Candida, yeah. which yes. you know has some of this information about bloating. So you can, there's things you can do on the physical level. But what started to blow my mind when I got into the research about the mind. So what is bloating, right? Bloating is something is not efficiently leaving. Right. So it kind of stagnates and it sits there and it ferments prematurely. It starts spouting off gases. And that's actually what bloating is down here. It's not leaving. So then there's research showing if you aren't letting go of something in your mind, let's say you're replaying it over and over again, the guilt, there's so certain things that are having you stay up at night while we have insomnia, or just these patterns, these stories we keep telling ourselves, resentment, anger, when you're not letting go. Right. Just because we don't see it, like we don't see the piece of cheese, it doesn't mean it's not having an effect on our bloating. Right. So that part of it is huge. That could pay, play a huge part in our bloating. When we're bloated in our minds, it can be can really manifest in bloating in our bellies. So in par with my journey, I was changing my diet. I was uh, you know, practicing gut health for the first time in my life. I was cleansing. This is where that detoxy supplement I was saying can be very helpful. If you change your diet, Let's say you go more plant-based. That's a huge reintroduction or introduction of way more fiber than you're used to. So I say it's the analogy of you know putting 25 bottles of liquid Drano down the sink. Sometimes everything comes into the middle at once. Wow. So our bodies can use more aid in cleansing out and cleaning. And there is a transition period when you're switching from one diet to another or your lifestyle is shifted. Right. So I would also say anything that helps you let go, whether it's a meditation, letting go in your mind, or actually this helping your body let go right. is going to help bloating long-term as well. Interesting. Um, <laughs> and what gets you excited when you wake up in the morning? I, first of all, since this whole thing happened with my mom, I'm excited to take a breath. Literally, it's gotten that simple. I'm excited to be alive. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten so simple for me, Colleen. You know, I, I roll over, I hug my partner. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so excited about Bubby and life. And you know, when I go on the beach walk, I just feel excited to be outside. And yeah. it doesn't mean I'm this like crazy, cheerful person all the time, but it's, I, I feel like I don't need as much as I used to to be happy. Sure. I understand that. It's been a long journey to get there. And I have days, of course, like all of us, where I get pissed off and impatient. But 
I'm just really happy to be sharing with people. Community has gotten so big for me, Colleen, and I think I w it wasn't at first. It, it was more about like, oh, my work and you know, what I'm doing in the world. But I started doing these women's circles in LA. And for my birthday a couple of weeks ago, I had 35 friends and we did this circle around the fire and everybody talked about a word they would want to give to the, uh, a word for the community, for the, for the planet. We wrote it on Palo Santo sticks and put nice. it in. So for me, it's this community and feeling really more connected to people than ever makes me really excited and offering and sharing and yeah, being alive. <laughs> <laughs> and what keeps you up at night? So I, I feel, along with feeling more connected to people, I think I'm naturally an empath. I feel, um, I feel sad. I, I, I feel like this, you know, this suffering more than ever, too. I, I, look at, I look at women all the time. I'm around a lot of women. I work with women. And I just think, can't you see what I see? You yeah. know, this, this, back to this perfectly imperfect, I feel like people don't see the, their value, their true value, they're giving it away. They're giving away their power all day long to the attention, to the looks, to the surface stuff. And that keeps me up because I just feel like, when are people going to wake up? Like, we need to help each other wake up. We need to love each other. We need to bring it back to that basic step. And that isn't what kept me up a few years ago. I think it's really hard for a lot of healers to separate the energies. It and is. And a lot of healers are sensitive. So I take a shower at night and I try to like let go of all the stuff that's, you know, come in my space and I'll, yeah, especially, and I work with some very, um, I would say, not, I don't know what the word is, I would say troubled, but people that have a lot of um, anxiety and a lot of stuff. Yeah. And you can pick it up. So I just try to like clear my energy at the end of the day, but I'm not a robot. You know, right. I think about my clients. I think about my work. I think about these people that are suffering and that's really hard. Yeah, I'm not the best at compartmentalizing, working no, on it. <laughs> that's it, and that's why you're drawn to the work, because you have exactly. this huge heart, and you want to help, and so you can't turn it off. Yeah. What advice would you give to your younger self? I would say, you know, your value is not in what you do. Your value is in who you are. Just being you is enough. I have suffered with extreme not-enoughness, as I call it, and again, the eating disorders, the trying to control my body, the trying to get perfect grades, this hustling for yeah. my value. If I could really look at my 12-year-old self in the eyes and say, you are enough, you're, value, you're valuable just because you're you, and really get that across, I mean, that would, have, that would have been everything. But I feel like I was meant to suffer and go through all that because that's part of what I'm teaching now. And I think if I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't really understand. I wouldn't see it in other people. So I don't take back any of the stuff I went through. You know, the the pain, the the, the hiding vomit in a in a box in a bucket, calling underneath my bed and throwing it out in the middle of the night when no one would see it. Like the months and years of doing that. You know, I think I experienced all this through my body to be able to. Um, feel it now to, to really right. know what it's like to go to help through these that. women yes and helping you be on the journey you're on today that's it that's it well thank you so much for joining us today i really enjoyed our conversation and i loved thank your you. book thank you so much reading Colleen. it and sharing the recipes with my family thank you so much such an honor to be here thank you